is is there an interest in in pursuing this in the future? Is what, what's uh, what's your thought? One hundred percent. Still, <laughs> I, I still want to get into it. It's something that whenever I have a conversation like this, I feel that energy coming up again. It is one of the bigger passions inside of my life. Uh, I think the way I look at it, in you know my career long term, is I want to build up Tribe and Purpose and build that as a backbone, so I can have the coaching on the side, and then I want to go into my other entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, my my first business uh, before that venture in Miami was uh, Aquatunities. I, I still own the domain. I still have my LLC and all that kind of stuff. I want to get into that. And really, you know, the, the mission statement. Welcome to the Legacy Roadmap Podcast, your ultimate guide for creating a lasting legacy as an entrepreneur. Whether you're an ambitious entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, our podcast offers insightful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and experts who have navigated the path of legacy creation. We explore topics that matter to you, personal responsibility, financial growth, leadership, and succession planning. Our goal? To equip you with practical insights and strategies that help you transition from simply running your business to building a legacy. Join us each week as we delve into purposeful discussions aimed at positively impacting future generations. Your journey towards leaving a lasting legacy starts right here right now. Let's dive in. Does your business serve homeowners? If so, you need to know about HOA.com, the number one referral network for professionals who serve homeowners. And we're looking for quality contractors and home service pros that we can recommend and refer to homeowners in your area. Not only will you get promoted on the HOA.com website, you'll get business from other certified pros and premier pros in your market. These people serve homeowners every day, so we help you build referral partnerships that keep referrals coming to your business for years to come. Go to HOA.com slash pro now and get started. Are you an entrepreneur or business owner? If so, you need to know about the Achieve Systems Business Building Membership. We are one of the best referral-based communities that wants to refer you. We help generate you thousands of leads per year. We also provide you an incredible mentorship program that has won many awards. We don't stop there. We have 60 plus opportunities to take your business to the next level, like authoring and publishing books and many, many more. Go to AchieveSystemsPro.com and get started today. Do you want to make more money in your business? Most business owners focus on building revenue. That's not enough. Building profits is what feeds your family, and almost no business owner understands how to build profit without building revenue. I can show you with near-perfect accuracy the exact business growth strategies that will generate the most revenue for your business in the shortest amount of time, focused on building profit. Learn more at bizlife.coach. This week's guest is a leadership and success coach with Tribe and Purpose. Camden McGregor has years of coaching experience in rugby and has worked extensively with high-performing teams, and especially in the area of skills development. Between coaching rugby, studying agricultural business, and having a passion for behavioral economics, Camden is adept at combining different schools of thought, as he believes that the best answers can only be found by learning different perspectives. His diverse experience helps him to find creative solutions helping clients to create lasting change for themselves and their companies. Robert and Camden McGregor talk about leadership, how sports leadership prepared him for entrepreneurship, 
the challenges of working with partners and now working for his dad. Camden shares how rugby influenced his relationship with his father and how he influences others as a rugby coach. Camden, thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Looking forward to just learning about your journey. Love that you're you know, working with your dad and, and uh, I'm sure that'll come up a little bit here. So just welcome oh, to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to get talking, Robert. So the first question, and, and we kind of chatted a little bit before we hit record, but um, what, is, what does legacy mean to you? I know, I mean, obviously, young man recently, you know, out of college and starting your life there with a family. And what, what does legacy mean for you, Gamden? Yeah, you know, legacy, I really think about, uh, I honestly don't know the origins of this, but I've heard it many times, that seven generation perspective. I like to think in terms of that, of, you know, building something that can not only just uh, replace me, I always think about the replacement factor also, but ideally building something that can have an impact for lots of people down the road. Uh, I think that's a big reason uh, that I got into entrepreneurship. I love problem solving. And the thing for entrepreneurship that really drove me to it is you can solve problems and if you do it right, then you can leave a business and it can go keep solving that problem all the way down the road, you know, 100 years, whatever that winds up being. And that's the thing that really gets me excited is the legacy of being able to build things like that, build organizations like that, and then let them go run off on their own. Because that's what leadership is all really about is, you know, building it up and then leaving it to somebody else that I can go on to other ventures and those type of things. And I think that's really how you create a, you know, a really big legacy is you don't just pigeonhole yourself into one area. You look at these different things, you find your creativity, your purpose, those type of things, and you follow it. And uh, I think that's what legacy means to me. Yeah. Love that. That's fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about your own entrepreneurial journey and, and leaning, leaning into this entrepreneurial space. Um, and of course, some of the lessons that, that you've learned already on your, on your journey. Yeah, you know, uh, I think my as much as I love entrepreneurship, I did kind of stumble into it. Uh, like a lot of young people in high school, I remember my dad going to me saying, boy, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I really don't know. And I thought about it for probably less than a day. I said, I want to be a farmer. And I don't know what it was that really drove me to farming in the first place. I think there's a little bit of like that ownership of the land and the crops and those kind of things. That's really nice. But other thing is, you know, we talked about my dad a little bit, that sense of service. You know, I got to scratch that service itch with agriculture. Growing food for people is a great thing. Not quite as amazing as protecting our country, but, you know, it's still a very important piece of work. And, you know, I spent a month on uh, my uncle's farm in Texas in the middle of July. My dad thought it would scare me away from entrepreneurship. I fell in love with it. Uh, came to school here at the U of A, uh, studying agricultural business, had a back injury that ended my rugby career. Uh, so after a while of feeling very sorry for myself, I realized that I wanted to direct all that energy into entrepreneurship. Uh, out of college, I had a venture up in a small town of Miami, Arizona, not Miami. You'll piss off a lot of locals if you say Miami. Uh, but what we're doing is we're going in and uh, turning over old buildings into indoor farms. And so really had that focus on sustainable agriculture, community impact, and those type of things. Uh, had some bumpy roads with the co-founder up there, wound up moving along from that. Uh, had some other agricultural ventures. Uh, when COVID came around, it kind of killed those. Got into virtual events, did that for about a year and a half, uh, just trying to find that problem and you know see what I can solve for it. Uh, that's really been my my fire behind entrepreneurship the whole time is what is the problem out there and then what can I do to help solve that problem? 
Uh, and then, you know, I've been coaching rugby for a long time and it really, the combination of the entrepreneurship experience and the rugby coaching, I realized I need to do some business coaching as well. So uh, that's what led me to working full time with my dad. I was doing social media for a while before that, uh, but just really the the passion of helping to helping other people to build those kind of impacts. Like when we talked about legacy, that's why entrepreneurship is, is so exciting to me is because you could build that legacy. And I view coaching as being able to help other people build that legacy, which is an even more powerful thing. Absolutely. Well, and, and leaning into it. So sustainable farming, um, indoor, obviously indoor farming in Arizona, um, it definitely has, has an intrigue. One of my previous guests um, was targeting food deserts with mm-hmm. um, tower. Uh, vertical farming. Vertical farming. Yeah. The, the, yes, the indoor you know, teaching people, based, but the, the conversation was really about, um, communities that that don't mm-hmm. have access to vegetables and and don't have access to right. I mean, so we have this interesting dynamic in the United States mm-hmm. where we we have you know impoverished communities, and so what pops up on every street corner is more and more fast food, which a they shouldn't be eating, b they should they shouldn't be spending their money on, and yet that's the 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 prevalent thing you know, taking over the neighborhood. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we don't have, they, they, they literally don't have access to fresh vegetables and, and yeah. fruits and, and nobody's, you know, growing it to sell it into those communities. And so sustainable farming is definitely a, a big problem and a big need mm-hmm. for many communities that are considered food deserts. You know, of course you live in the ultimate desert, which is just desert all around and all the food. Right. It's a desert and a food else. desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so is, is there an interest in, in pursuing this in the future? Is what's, uh, what's your thought? 100%. On still? <laughs> I, I still want to get into it. It's something that whenever I have a conversation like this, I feel that energy coming up again. It is one of the bigger passions inside of my life. Uh, I think the way I look at it in you know my career long term is I want to build up Tribe and Purpose and build that as a backbone so I can have the coaching on the side. And then I want to go into my other entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, my, my first business uh, before that venture in Miami was uh, Aquatunities. I, I still own the domain. I still have my LLC and all that kind of stuff. I want to get into that. And really, you know, the, the mission statement, this is a very cheesy mission statement. I wrote this in college, okay? But it was to build the future of sustainable agriculture. And that's still what gets me excited. You know, we talk about all these different problems, you know, whether it's the amount of plastic we're consuming, whether it's food deserts, whether it's the actual production capacities. Uh, I always talk about that of the, you know, the inputs of land, energy and water, and then the fact that we're going to need to double our food production while also reduce, reducing all of those constraints. There's a lot of different things inside of that. And, you know, when we, when we talk about legacy and purpose, I believe that the most important thing you can do is wherever your passion is, wherever your skills are, is to direct your energy towards that. So I would be doing a disservice if I don't get back into agriculture. I put it that way. Nice. I definitely uh, can see that. So, so let's talk about the, the, the mindset necessary to transition into coaching so so young, right? I mean, obviously, your dad's a great influence, and mm-hmm. and has built a, a coaching practice um, with a great deal of of influence, and and coming alongside working working with your dad. Let's just let's just step right into it and see. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you I know, love, uh... I love that you're doing it. I love. I want my goal is to bring both my kids back into my business and, mm-hmm. and, and 
and you know, I don't know what their roles will be at this point yet. We we imagine things, we see things, and then the business takes a left or a right, and well, that might not happen, but but I definitely <laughs> right. see a future where that where that's happening. So I'm proud of you and your dad for being able to pull it off and and making you know figuring out the way to make it work. Yeah, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun. Really, uh, it, it goes back to us starting the podcast. You know, the Caminota Show. We've been doing that for somewhere around four and a half years, I think. And you know, doing that, and then I was as the young kid doing his social media for his coaching business and working kind of in there. But really, it goes back to the rugby coaching for me of having that passion of look. I can't necessarily go do all of these different things. I have a lot of big goals for myself in business, but when it really comes down to it, I want to be able to help other people have that kind of impact. Uh, when I when I think about like my personal personal coaching philosophy. It, it comes from my days coaching rugby and uh, working with the Engage Foundation, a local nonprofit here that I'm the head coach and uh, on the board for that uh, works with underserved youth in Tucson to give them free opportunities to play rugby and teach them life lessons and that. We also do lots of other cool stuff. Uh, but the way I always looked at it was rugby gave me my life. It brought me to the U of A. Yeah, I had a back injury and I couldn't keep playing, but I met my wife here. You know, it brought me to all these different people in my life, the guys who were, you know, standing up to me at my wedding a couple of years ago, all those kind of things. So I wanted to give someone else that. I, I mentioned like the replacement factor earlier. I always look at it as coaching of like, if I can just get one kid who falls in love with the game and gets all of those great things out of it, then I did my job. I, you know, I replaced myself is the way I kind of look at it. Uh, then as far as getting into like the business coaching side, I think it was my own entrepreneurial journey and going through that. And I was getting some free business coaching, full disclosure from my dad during a lot of that. Uh, but, you know, just realizing that it was a cross section of my passions there. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the age. That is something I still, you know, I know, I know you talk a lot about limiting beliefs. That is still something I fight with a lot of, you know, I am, I'm only 27 and I'm out there coaching businesses. I work with people who are much older than me that might be looking down at me that might not have all of those different knowledge, you know, the different knowledge and experience. Uh, but, you know, I mean, to me, that just adds a little chip on the shoulder, gives you a little bit more motivation to keep going on it, right? I mean, it's one of those, as much as I have that limiting belief, like, look, I'm young, I don't know all these kind of things. I've met a lot of people a lot older than me that know way less than me. So I got to keep those kind of things in mind, right? You know, age age is not a, uh, age does not mean you have that much experience or that much knowledge that you can really apply that experience into wisdom. And so that's, that's the big thing for me. And then I think, you know, because I am younger, I try to make sure I'm open and learning all the time, you know, trying to learn from other great leaders, uh, you know, as much as I might ha not have all of the experience, if I can read somebody's book who has all that experience, I can get a lot of it. I can get, you know, partway there. So uh, that's really where my coaching philosophy comes from. Well, and you're also not alone, right? I mean, you're part of a team and, and you, you have your dad's experience to to fall back on if you, if you run into something in a business that... <laughs> that feels like it's beyond you you got you, you you've got an opportunity to say man dad what would you you know speak into this and so love that oh, yeah, exactly. you, you mentioned something i think you know i don't i don't want to gloss over because the power of of giving back is is so important and so valuable and obviously i think it must be a family value in you that recognizes giving back so mm -hmm. tell me about community service and the impact of that in your business yeah you know uh the the main area i focus my energy is in with the engage foundation uh so we put on a fall rugby season that's entirely free for any any of the kids in tucson uh five to 18. Uh, we've got i think 60 kids registered for our fall season so finally getting back up to those pre-covid numbers which is super exciting uh but what it really comes back to for me is 
wanting to make that impact and then finding my tools to use it. So the best the best thing I can teach anybody is probably the game of rugby. You know, we could talk all day about business, but really I could talk, you know, multiple days about rugby, right? And so giving those kids those opportunities and teaching them the life lessons through the sport, uh, because I do think, uh, you know, sport in general can drive a lot of life lessons. It can teach kids a lot, but I think especially rugby has a lot of components that tied into it with respect, the camaraderie, uh, you know, hard work, those type of things that can teach kids such great life lessons. And then, you know, beyond that, we uh, we like to partner with other organizations, big, uh, big Brothers, Big Sisters of Southern Arizona, Boys and Girls Clubs, putting out free clinics, anything that we could do to help kids to get active. And then if we can teach them the life lessons, that's a, that's a bonus, right? You know, obviously, that's our goal the whole time. But uh, the way I see it, you know, all of my business ideas have that community impact in mind. You know, when I talk about opportunities or uh, Cobra Valley Indoor Farms doing the renovating those old buildings, that's all for that community. That is not so that I can make money and go off and, you know, live off happily ever after in the middle of the desert out here, which I don't think people live happily ever after out in the desert. But, <laughs> you know, uh, going and helping to solve those problems for people. And I think that's a big thing, you know. Uh, Obviously, Engage Foundation is a nonprofit. Um, I think the interesting thing that I found as I got into entrepreneurship is that it doesn't always have to be a nonprofit. You know, if you have community impact in mind, sometimes the best business model for it is for it to be a for-profit business. And I think the more important thing is that you have that impact in mind during the ideation process. You know, like I said, finding that problem and finding the best way to solve that problem. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you need an increase in revenue? We help business owners find 100K in 90 days and create a roadmap for implementation. There's no pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit ownitcall.com and select a time that works for you. It's time for you to focus on doubling the 20% that creates 80% of your revenue. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. The best way to teach kids life lessons is probably not from me starting an agricultural business or anything like that. Rugby is a great way that I can teach those life lessons, right? If I want to fight food deserts, well, then I probably shouldn't focus on rugby. I should focus on agriculture, right? So it's all about aligning your skills to whatever problem you're trying to solve. Well, and, and obviously, I think throughout the skills, you're mentioning some values lessons, right? In Both in sport and in business. So let's talk about the, the importance of values for, for your business, for your, your, your family and, and, and the impact that, that your values have. Yeah. You know, I think I, you can't, you can't do anything without values. You know, I, I learned in some of my entrepreneurial ventures with some of the partners, I, I mentioned the Rocky road with one of them up in Miami, you know, when you don't have an understanding of your values, you don't check to make sure your values are aligned. And when that happens, things might go for well for a while, but they're going to blow up in your face at some point. Right. And so you have to have that as like what you go back to, you know, when, uh, when things get bad, when, it, when it hits the fan, right. You, you have to have your values to go back to. Uh, for me, it's always been about family and it, you know, uh, 
my big picture purpose to put on my coaching hat a little bit for, uh, you know, when I do my purpose training, uh, I always like to start off with a big picture purpose. For me, it's always been helping people. Uh, I, I mentioned that some of the ways that I like to do, you know, with rugby and business uh, come into that problem solving aspect. But really, it's it's just helping people is the value that I try to base a lot of my life off of. You know, uh, my, my dad served in the army for 27 years. I think I got that number right. Sometimes I feel like I'm rounding up on him. He's, he's old. It's all right. <laughs> no, the... Uh, you know, that sense of service for your country and taking care of your community, you know, whether it's trying to do something on that national scale, that really big picture scale, which, you know, you talk with, you know, guys like Green Berets about that, the way that they understand the big picture of the world, that that thousand mile view is crazy. Uh, I, I don't necessarily have that, but I love the smaller impacts of like, I can look around Tucson and we can talk food deserts and I can say, look, I can I can buy a plot of land here, build a vertical farm, and then start to help that community around there in South Tucson or whatever it is. So I think it really goes back to that value of family. And, you know, I think family in the broad sense, you know, I mentioned rugby, that's my rugby family. You know, they, they go below my actual family, but it is still my family. And, you know, making an impact and trying to help people within that, I think is uh, really where my values drive a lot of my business and, uh, you know, a lot of my other efforts. So let's talk a little bit about tribe and purpose. What's the what's the intention? What's the, the you know the, the driving force between tribe and purpose? Yeah, you know, uh, really, really, what it gets back to is building that legacy of leaders. You know, uh, and I'm this is one of those full disclosure. My dad wrote this. I paraphrase it, so he might get mad at me for not getting all these words just right. But you know, we want to help to create great leaders. And when you have great leaders, you get great organizations. And when you have great organizations, you get a better community. And when you get a better community, you get a better world, right? You know, when we talk about impact, we talk about legacy it's really easy to start immediately at the big picture. And I think the more important thing is to start at the smaller picture and to build that domino effect out. You know, for every leader that we teach, they can go out there and develop other great leaders. Uh, so that that's the overarching theme behind Tribe and Purpose, our mission. Uh, but, you know, in the name Tribe and Purpose, it really gets to the two most important things in your life, the two, two of the biggest factors in your life and for your success is do you have that understanding of your purpose? Do you know what you want to get out of your life? Do you know what success looks like for you? Do you know what the impact the legacy is that you want to leave? And then uh, what is the group around you that's going to support you along the way? You know, the, the five people around you are a very powerful mechanism. They can send you up and they can send you down. And it, that tribe is going to be what determines your future in a lot of ways. So I think the, the real thing when you start thinking about the tribe goes back to that leadership component again. You know, inside of the tribe, there's going to be leaders, not necessarily the person that has the title, but the, you know, the leader who's going to help to drive things forward and make the world a better place. And that's what that's what attracts me so much to Tribe Affairs and why I love working there so much. Working with my dad, obviously, is great and all. Uh, but really just the, the business impact of building that legacy of leaders. And then in, in my mind, you know, I talked about the, uh, the replacement factor. I, I think about it all the time of if I can teach one person these type of skills and then they can go make a great business. Well, then that's one more business I don't have to start, right? You know, all these problems out there, when we start talking agriculture, we listed out like five different, you know, very different problems that need to be solved inside of agriculture, looking at like sustainability towards the future. I probably can't start all those businesses. You know, I'll try probably, but, I, you know, I might not be able to start all of those businesses and get them to where they need to be to really make that impact. So I think having that legacy of leaders and teaching other people that they can go make that impact is a great way of, you know, expanding my own impact. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the biggest challenge of your current efforts. 
You know, I'd, I'd say the biggest challenge, you know, there's there's some there are business things that you get into, you know, marketing and those kind of things. As as most entrepreneurs, I'm a uh, I actually I, I don't know how true this rule is. I was a solid C plus B minus student. And then, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like you got to do every different thing. So I'm C pluses and all this different stuff. So there's lots of challenges as far as getting better at marketing, you know, building the websites, funnels, all those kind of different things. Uh, but really, I'd say my my biggest challenge is with myself personally of, you know, having that discipline and, you know, uh, to shed off those limited those limiting beliefs so that I can go make these impacts. You know, as much as as much as, uh, you know, I have this passion, there's times where the passion's not there. You know, there's times where I don't want to get out of bed. There's times where I can't make myself go sit and work. And, you know, that is the biggest challenge for me, because as much as I could paint that picture of all these different things that I want to go do. At the end of the day, you you gotta go do it, right? And so that discipline for me, I'd say, is you know my biggest limiting factor right now. Uh, and I think it's one where it's just you know finding your own personal taste for those type of things. I'm somebody who I'd say I'd probably fall into the lazy category. There's some who would say you want to have the lazy person to build the business because they'll build it better than the person who you know is taking all the time. You know they'll find the faster solution for those kind of things. Whatever all that is, I, at the end of the day, I can see it as I want to do more. And I'm falling short of that. So I'd say that's my biggest challenge there is just continuing to push my performance to that higher level. So I want to play on the family piece just a little bit because because obviously there's not a lot lazy about your dad. So <laughs> how does how does that dynamic play between the two of you? Uh, you know, it's I think uh, I think the discipline like his discipline is is, you know, I mean, 27 years uh, in the army. 15 to 20 of those ish, I don't know, uh, as a green beret, like his discipline is off the charts, right? And, you know, as far as how that apple wound up falling farther from the tree, I'm not totally sure. Maybe I need to talk to a doctor, you know, study some genes or some therapist about that. Uh, but really, I, I think it's just the, uh, for me, and for me, I think it is that I, you know, I want to do lots of different things. I want to get the most out of everything. And when you're doing that, it's really hard to cut things short. And so it's a habit of trying to spend too much time with this thing, you know, spending too much time coaching rugby when I should have been working on the business or, you know, just to have one example there. Uh, but I mean, it's one where since he is so great at that, since he is so disciplined, I have somebody I can always learn that from. And it's something I can always work towards. You know, it's the, the whole idea of working towards perfection. You find greatness. I don't know if I call him perfect, but he's very disciplined. So I want to work towards that. And if I can get any more disciplined along the way, then it's going to be better. You know, I think as much as I, you know, call myself lazy, I think it's more, you know, it's a term of endearment a little bit. You know, I uh, I just, you know, I know myself. I know that I can be very lazy. But also I think it's an important thing, you know, when you look at like negative features of yourself like that is like, okay, well, if this is lazy Camden and I've made it this far, disciplined Camden in the next 10 years, that's going to be a whole nother level. And I think, you know, uh, actually, I do have a little bit of idea of the, the apple falling from the tree. You know, uh, I think... Just realistically, the army builds discipline into you and it builds those habits so well. I got a lot of habits that I'm good at. I got a lot of things that I'm not good at. And I think that, yeah, you know, not that everyone needs to go spend 10 years in the army, 20 years in the army in order to learn how to be disciplined. But, you know, you're not going to spend 10 years in the army and then not come out disciplined on the other side, right? <laughs> yeah. So so let's let's just talk about the relationship, right? Because all of us can mm -hmm. picture the Hollywood version, right, of, you know, this this army disciplined dad running a business and then, and then, mm. you know, the, the, the Hollywood lazy son, <laughs> right. That obviously that, that could create quite the, 
quite the frustration for the dad, quite the frustration for the son. Ah, mm-hmm. But I know that's not the relationship that you and your dad have. So, right. so tell me, yeah. tell me why, why it works, Camden. Why? Honestly, and this is a, this is a great leadership lesson for other people out there, whether it's someone in your team that you would consider lazy and you are the super disciplined person, but it's the focus on the outcomes, not necessarily the way you're working. Uh, you know, I, I'm one where, the, uh, you know, going back to my days on the farm, it is the job has to get done. That's at the end of the day, you know, the, ca- the cows need to get milked every morning. That has to happen, right? Uh, you know, when it, I look at my outcome list for the week, my to-do list for the day, there are things that have to get done. Now, do I need to wake up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, whatever my dad does, and then go on to, you know, have this huge intense workout and then read and then do this and this and this, and then go spend my entire day working on it? No, that's just not really how my brain works. I'd rather wake up, you know, closer to six or seven, get the workout in, probably not as intense of a workout as him either. Uh, and then, you know, push forward with that. But if it's one of those things as the leader, I think if you have somebody who you work with who, whether they're less disciplined, whether they're lazy, whether they just work differently from you, if you try to force them into your schedule, it's not going to work and you're going to wind up presenting each other. Uh, it, with that uh, virtual events venture, I mentioned Verby, my co-founder on that, uh, one of my best friends, Norman, he works differently than me. Like a lot of coders, he does his best work between midnight and 4 a.m. for some reason. <laughs> It would drive me crazy, but he would get his stuff done. When I tried to force him into my habits, into my routine, it wouldn't work because that's just not what was natural for him. And so I think that's what it really comes down to, focusing on the outcomes for your team uh, rather than trying to force them into the box of what you think their work needs to be. Because, you know, just like I, I alluded to, the lazy person finds the faster solution sometimes. You know, there's things that if I was sitting there working all day, sitting at this desk all day, uh, following that super disciplined regimen, I probably would be so less productive. But, you know, when I go coach rugby for two hours and I come back to work, oh, my gosh, I can get two hours of work done in 15 minutes, you know, just the way my brain works. Right. So I think you have to recognize that everyone works differently. Everyone brain, everyone's brain works differently. And you can't you can't take yours and put it on someone else. You have to understand who they are and then build that environment where you can still work together. Yeah. So powerful to honor each other's rhythm. Right. Mm -hmm. But for many, they don't understand their rhythm, right? They've either done a job their whole life and they've never even had the chance to, to, to measure it or know, right. They assume they're a night owl, right. Because they're staying up late at night, but that's the only time that they have free because they're working all day. Right. Right. And until you really can, can stop and and figure out what your real rhythm is you know and obviously your rhythm in in tucson is different than it probably would be in, you know back in colorado because of the oh, weather yeah. right the weather dictates a rhythm like know, you can't I'm, go I'm outside between right <laughs> <laughs> you can't go outside between you know 9 a.m and 8 p.m during the summer because that you like oh you gosh. disappeared <laughs> burst into flames <laughs> but but so at Fort, like even your rugby season, right? I assume the rugby season is actually starting later there than, than typical because you, you got to play when, when the weather allows you to play. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's 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 a that's a rugby politics issue we don't have to fully get into. But yeah, a lot of teams play in the fall. We play mostly in the spring. Uh, now, we are fortunate enough here that we can play in the we can play in the fall. We can play in the heat. I mean, but. Robert, it just sucks. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no need to put yourself through that every single time. You know, if somebody from, you know, let's say BYU is coming down, yeah, we're going to put it at a 1 p.m. kickoff so that they're feeling the sun. But when it really, when it comes down to it, it's like, yeah, you got to play to your environment. You've got to recognize what's there. You know, we had, uh, we, you know, we just started a few weeks ago with the U of 18 and we 
we're ending practices early. Not because we're just doing such a great job that, you know, the kids can go home. No, it's because it was so hot. We don't want to burn them out. Right. So I think you have to be able to recognize your situation. But, you know, you, you kind of alluded to this, you know, your own personal habits have the same type of thing. But I think the most important thing when it comes to personal habits or that is experimenting and then having an honest reflection of what that result really looks like. You know, I was joking with my wife last week that, you know, people talk about it's like, I'd like to work four tenths, you know, get my 40 hours done Monday through Thursday and then relax for three days. I know the math isn't quite right for a 40 hour week, but I'm like, I'd rather do seven fives or seven, you know, seven six or whatever it is. Cause it's like, I, you know, I can't sit and work all day, but I can do these big chunks of work and get a lot done. So it's like, you have to understand that, build your schedule around it and then go live it and then have the, you know, the honest reflection of like, okay, was that actually working? You know, cause it's really easy. I, 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 you know, we're joking about me being lazy. It's really easy for me to say, you know, Robert, I need to sleep till 9 a.m. That's what my body needs. I need 12 hours of sleep and then I'm just <laughs> going to perform so well, but I'm lying to myself. I, I know I'll be lying to myself in that situation. Right. So you have to challenge your own beliefs when it comes to that self-reflection and really just take the time to tease those different things out of, okay, what do I want to get out of this? What is my performance goal, if you want to put it that way? And then how can I get to it the best? You know, is it working four hours every single day or is it working, th you know, 12 hours for three days? Whatever that is, whatever your, you know, your uh, specific taste is for that, I think that's where you're going to get the most product productivity out of it. But it comes back to being able to have that reflection and challenging yourself. Uh, yeah, I don't absolutely. know who specifically said this. I think, I think it was a Marcus Aurelius, but... Uh, the that it's like lying to yourself is like the greatest sin of all. You know, self-rationalization is so easy and it's so dangerous. It's so easy to go, oh, well, you know, I just don't need this. I don't want to do this. And those kind of things, you could talk yourself out of all of the hard work along the way and you're not going to get anything done, right? Right. Well, my dad, I remember when my dad's company switched him to 312s and in his first thoughts were, yeah, man, I'll get these four days off. And the problem is with working three twelves, he slept for three days and then he had one day off. <laughs> so it was actually far worse than because his body just wasn't, imagine. wasn't ready for that. Like, and so you've got to be able to have a rhythm that, that, that your body can, can honor. And as a business owner, it's important to, to figure that rhythm out and build your business around it. If, if you can, right. There's places where we have to sacrifice. There's places where we have to play in the middle of the one, you know, one o'clock sun so that, you know, <laughs> We take advantage of, of our home field, but right. knowing yourself and, and being able to be honest with yourself are really important parts of that maturity equation and, and, and growing up and, and figuring out when's it easier for me to do the hard stuff, right? When's it easier for me to do the stuff I'm, I'm avoiding and don't want to do and, and get that stuff done so that, so that I got the time to do the stuff I love to do, right? Like your friend coding yeah. in the middle of the night, that's a great time to be coding, it's not yeah. a great time for making sales calls. Like, you, <laughs> no, it's not. Even if it's your rhythm, you can't be making sales calls between three a.m. and you know. Yeah, 7 and you got to recognize. You know, you mentioned it's like what the you know what the hard work is and when it needs to be done. And I think that's such an important piece. You know, it's really easy for me to say, well, this is what my perfect schedule is like. Well, if your business, if your customer doesn't match that schedule, then it's not going to work. You know, my perfect schedule. You know, we do the ideal day exercise a lot with Tribe of Purpose clients. You know, my ideal day. Uh, I'm waking up. I'm working out. Having breakfast with my family. Uh, then I'm going to work for a set period of time, and then I'm going to go coach rugby. 
because I want to go coach rugby and that's what feeds my passion. That's what, you know, makes me excited to go back to work the next day. All those things feed off of each other. But, you know, if like, to your point, if I was making sales calls all day, well, I would probably need to be on the phone while I'm out in the afternoon coaching rugby, right? Because that would be one of the slots where I need to be calling people. But because it's a coaching business, I can, you know, make my schedule flexible. You know, even thinking about other ventures, this is one of the reasons, uh, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. And I, uh, I want to follow this path so much is because with other ventures, you can design them to fit inside of that. Right. If I am starting a farm, I can design it in a way, you know, design the business model in a way that I'm still out there from four to six when it comes time to go out and coach rugby. Right. Because if I don't have that, that would hurt me because that's one of my life categories. So I think it's important to be able to understand all those different things. But, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. You still have to know what the hard work is and when it has to be done. Right. I can talk about my ideal day and my perfect schedule, sleep at 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. or whatever that is. Right. But if I uh, if I'm not getting the hard work done because I forced myself into the wrong schedule, then it's not going to work out in the long run. Right. Yeah. You'll end up being a greeter at Walmart. So (laughs) can we end every episode with guests sharing their words of wisdom? What would you share for our entrepreneurs listening? You know, I think the biggest thing, uh, talking about routine, uh, purpose, any of those different things, uh, it's, it's don't wait for it to be perfect. Don't try to find your perfect purpose. Start off with that big picture purpose. Like I mentioned, helping people, whatever it is, and then figure out some ways that you can go live that. And, you know, it's uh, dating your purpose before you marry it, right? Going in and look, I'm, this is my purpose. I want to go live this. This is my passion. I want to go do this. And then, you know, this is my routine. I want to go live my life like this. And then a month later, if you're not hitting your goals or you're not getting enough sleep, well, then that routine is wrong, right? If you're, uh, if you're following your purpose and you're like, wait, never mind. I actually don't like this. I want to help people, but I don't like talking to people. So then, okay, well, then you need to find another way to pursue that purpose where you can still help people without being around them all the time. And so I think that's the most important thing is don't wait for the perfect purpose or the perfect routine or those type of things. You've got to start moving forward. And then that gives you the data to correct those things as you go. So you can build to that perfect purpose or really uh, perfect. I always bounce back and forth on the word. Perfect should always be the goal, but you get greatness along the way, right? Absolutely. Cam, that's great words. I appreciate you sharing with us today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Robert. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning into this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. These aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful six or seven figure business. To support you on this journey, we're offering one of our most popular books, Fish Out Leads In, 52 Fresh Ideas for Lead Generation. You can download it free at enjoybizlife.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, and leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Otis McGregor and Robert talk about leadership and legacy. What do people say about you when you are not in the room? Most people are playing a short game to be liked in the moment, to get what they want now. Otis focuses on purpose, which is a much longer game with a different sort set of rewards. Most people have never defined what success looks like, and that is why so few find it.